Hello, I'm Krista McDonald, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Are you tired of feeling out of balance in your life and your work? Are you struggling with maintaining a regular spiritual practice? Or perhaps you're still searching for your calling? My guest today can help you with this and much more. Anna Gatman is a Ph.D. and a visionary. She is also an educator, author, and spiritual innovator. Her life experience includes working as an international fashion model and founder of an alternative elementary school. She is a professional change maker, not to mention speaker and best-selling author. She holds a doctorate in transformative learning from the California Institute of Integral Learning, and her new book is called Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance. And if you haven't, have not seen her TED Talk yet, you need to. Good morning, Dr. Gatman. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show, Kristen. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. And I hope you don't mind. Can I? May I call you Anna? Yes, please do. Great. So, so tell me, what led you to you know being in, from from your background, being an international model, to writing a book about spirituality? <laughs> That's a big You've probably that. heard that over and over again. Yeah, that is a big shift. You know, I was living a very materially satisfying life in Paris and working as an international fashion model and worked with, you know, with Jean-Paul Gaultier, who did Madonna and Yves Saint Laurent and Elle magazine and Mary Claire. But I'm very kind of mission-driven, and I was looking for something more, and I felt frustrated that my life didn't have much meaning. And so I went in a quest. I, I, I come from a family of alcohol and rage, so I went into the 12-step program and thought I'd be a counselor of addictions and began that in my BA, and then ended up doing a doctorate in adult education and spirituality. Um, and so that's kind of how I went from a very um, materially focused life to a very spiritually focused life. And I often say that I was born into a life of extremes, a Jewish father, a Christian mother in the 60s in Israel was very extreme to have a non-Jewish parent. Um, I had a very domineering father, a very lineage and submissive mother. And so here again, I had a very materially gratifying life. Like fashion is considered the most kind of superficial and, and material. And then I went into studies of adult education, how to create transformative learning experiences for people, went on a spiritual journey. And I kind of learn from these extremes, you know, from these contrasts. Um, I find the middle way. I find the transcendent way and kind of develop this formula of the four keys so that people can, can do it without having to go through all the life experiences that I went through. That's very interesting. And, you know, as I said, I did listen to your TED Talk, which was wonderful about how you marry the two, you know, the material uh, things that you've experienced and that that we as a yeah. whole do, you know, to your spirituality. But before we get into that, let's just talk a little bit more about your background because it is very interesting. Did you suffer addiction yourself? Or I know you you mentioned that you had um, an eating disorder, you know, which is so common right. with modeling. Right. Yeah. So 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 I mean, obviously, you have an eating disorder before you become a model. So I didn't have oh, yes. this disorder because I was a model, but because I came from a family of rage and alcohol, uh, with very low self-esteem, with a heavy stutter at the time, uh, undiagnosed learning challenges, and really no adult there to to mediate anything of this assault of the experiences. So what I did is I I. And manipulated and controlled my emotions 
by starving myself. So I, I never had the classic diagnosis of, uh, like, the two main symptoms of anorexia is you, you lose proportion of your body image, and I never had that. I always loved food and enjoyed food. My mother um, had lived in Italy for many years, and so she always made fresh, amazing food. So I had a good relationship to food, and I never lost my period, which is one of the other symptoms that um, women who have anorexia um, right, severe anorexia, and I never lost these two things. So, but I was really playing with my emotions and stifling my emotions by not eating. So I was actually starving my emotions. And when my mom went to the Betty Ford Center uh, in my twenties uh, for a twenty-eight day program to recover from alcoholism, the family we were invited for the final week, and we were told, "Oh, it's a it's a system thing, and you all need to go into recovery to support her and to support." Yourself, and I was still living in Paris, and in, in, in the American Church on the West Bank in Paris is where they held all of the twelve-step programs. And so I went to Al-Anon first, and to ACOA, and then I went to what they call at the time Overeaters Anonymous for all eating disorders. And so spent a few years there dealing with that. So yeah, but. Oh, the pressure yeah. from modeling and just, I mean, I remember just growing up myself, I did some runway modeling and, uh, you know, I mean, just we have, what, 15-year-olds on the cover of Cosmopolitan Magazine when we were right. growing up, you know, that are yes. supposed to be 25 or 22 and, you know, Madison Avenue, the pressure of what they do to models is just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was and actors. Because I was, I was always praised as a child from people around me that I could stop eating whenever I wanted. And so I never finished my plate. I'd, I'd eat, and then I, I'd have this moment where I'd feel like, okay, I'm not hungry anymore, and I'd stop eating. And that's a gift, right, with all the food around. Like my dad yes. was considered, my dad was considered like the garbage can of the family. Whoever didn't finish, he'd finish that. <laughs> so he had the opposite of it, right? But when right. I went into the stuff to, to, to what's called today, I guess, um, food addict, um, um, and or, um, and I had a sponsor, and she gave me a certain portion that I had to eat. And I remember sitting in my apartment in Paris and beginning to eat. And then I got to the usual point of, okay, I'm not hungry anymore, but I had gotten a portion, and I, I, I promised my sponsor that I'd finish this. And so I took one more bite, just one more bite, and emotions began to flood me. I felt sadness. I felt loneliness. And that was really the beginning of my uh, healing journey. So just one bite could make a difference. And look how powerful our defense mechanisms are that I was taken care of this entire life until I was in my 20s, that my body and my psyche took care of me, that there was no one to, to explain to me and to contain my emotions. And so I did it by myself, by eating. Wow, that's very impressive because I've had... A number of girlfriends who have suffered from the same thing, and uh, so it's very, very interesting. So you went from mm-hmm. that to, you know, having a successful career and then feeling like you needed more in life, like searching for your purpose early in life. Yeah, yeah, I was searching for my purpose early in life, and I didn't know what it was. And, you know, then when I, I was going to be a counselor for addiction, and then I came upon this amazing interdisciplinary program at, in, in San Francisco, for, transform, for transformative learning, and within 24 hours, I, sh- I shifted from becoming a, an addiction counselor to doing a Ph.D. in transformative learning, and it was the right choice 
And uh, very impressive. And, yeah. and just as a side note, what's your relationship now with food? I mean, did you you healed from that. Some people never heal from it. Right. I mean, I I love food. I would consider myself a food. Don't we all? I love, <laughs> I love fine food because I feel that when I eat, you know, and that I give that example in my TEDx talk. Feel that when I eat a food that's been um, prepared with care, and we all have a family member who we say, oh, she cooks with love, right? Like, what does that mean? It means mm-hmm. that there's an extra ingredient in the food, right? It's not just a recipe of the material things. People cook with love, with care, with creativity, with uh, innovation. And so when I consume uh, food or any other creative um, in, uh, artifact or endeavor of somebody else, I pay attention to it because I feel I'm consuming the spirit and the creativity of the person. It's not just a material material indulgence. And they awaken my spirit and they awaken my palate in ways that I haven't been awakened. Oh, I've never thought of putting cardamom with this. Wow, that is so different. Suddenly, I've expanded my perspective on what's possible. And so there's... It's a creation. Exactly, and there's spiritual lessons and possibilities to expand your consciousness even as you eat a delicious meal. So I still love food. I love to cook. I enjoy that. Um, and I always, you know, I'm, 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 I'm turning 60 this year. My body doesn't, you know, what I, I gain. And so I need to watch bread and sugar like everybody else does. Um, of course, we all but do. But it's a different relationship for sure, yeah. So your book is timely. You know, with spirituality, we're talking about um, the millennials and how 80% of them um, consider themselves more spiritual than religious, Yeah, which is very interesting. Yeah. You know, I think we're hardwired to have transcendent experiences of joy, of bliss, of elation. We're hardwired for this. And we don't learn it in, in our families most of the time. Most of us don't. We definitely don't learn it in school. Um, it's been taken out completely. And, you know, as teenagers, they're looking for these experiences, and they try different things because they're really kind of looking for these experiences. And so it makes a lot of sense. Like the yuppies were, you know, young and upcoming. They were only into the material things, and the millennials now are more into, okay, I need meaning. I need purpose. purpose. I don't need to buy into into an entire set of behavior because religion, maybe at its origin, it is about having transcendent experiences or direct unmediated experiences of our own divinity and the divinity of everything around us. But that's what spirituality gives us today. And, you you know, the four keys specifically teach you how practically you can have this experience of your own divinity and of divinity around you. But religion has really become more about you can't have those experiences, but you have to adhere to all of these rules. This yeah. is how we live life. This is what we believe in. Anybody who doesn't believe like we do is not part of, is not doing it the right way. And so it's really a way of life with the hope of having some gratitude and some grace and some, some good experiences. But the rabbi or the priest is the person who's really going to connect to God for you, uh, whereas spiritual experiences really give you you know, the direct unmediated experience. And so I'll just say one last thing. That's why I find the four keys to be universal principles that you can practice, whether you're having your own, you've created your own spiritual practice, 
or you're, you do adhere to a specific faith and way of uh, living, you're still longing for those transcendent experiences, and the four keys can give you um, a simple uh, formula for having those experiences, which are really the promise of religion, but they don't deliver it very often. And many people don't even think they're spiritual, but uh, you know, my sister and I are rereading the Bible now together, and yeah. we're going back and forth with philosophies and whether things are allegories yeah. or whatnot, and, and yesterday she was saying to me, because she's more of an, an atheist, and <clears throat> she's saying that she's not spiritual, and yet, based on everything you're saying, and I've told her in the past, she is spiritual, you know, that yeah. she does has a, have a purpose-driven life, and um, so... Talk about the four keys. Yeah, I, 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 I want to say that we're all spiritual, whether we are aware of it or not. And, and the way to, to think about it is we're all looking for purpose and meaning, to be significant, um, to make a difference in our world. Uh, we're all looking for elated experiences, for inner peace, for joy. We've all experienced that, connection, love. These are all spiritual qualities. So I think that spirituality has gotten a bad rap, and I personally think that the Bible is a, such a powerful... I mean, to have elated experiences, there are texts in it that are sublime, that are amazing, that really take you into mythology and, and, and can take you on a journey, and, you know, sentences that just are, are poetry. So it's a beautiful book. Oh, yeah, history. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, you read it for well, nothing yeah. else just from the historical point of view. Mm-hmm. So, sure. so you know, let's get into your book and four keys, um, yeah. right the four keys and and break it down. You know, like uh, what are some of the common problems that people suffer from, and why they would need your book? People are searching for their calling. They're searching for their for a purpose, and I think that they're searching for it outside. So there's a fallacy that your calling is going to be outside of you. It's waiting for you. You just haven't found it yet, and you just keep searching, right? And it's some occupation out there. And the truth is that it's already within you. And that what we need to do in order to have what we're wired, what we're hardwired to, is to expand our consciousness. Now, I know that it sounds like a very lofty term, but I'll, I'll break it down. But what I discovered in my research is that all um, spiritual teachers and yogis and saints, you know, they all live in this expansive state. And when you expand your consciousness, which we're going to break down in a second, an interesting thing occurs. You become aware of information that was not available for you a second ago when you were in a more rational or restricted or fearful state of mind. But when you open your consciousness, you can tap into the same wisdom that a spiritual teacher can because we all have access and we're all hardwired to the same source. We come from source, and when we come into a material existence, when we, we find bliss and joy when we're aligned still, constantly aligned to the source, and we're expressing it through our senses, through the things we create, through appreciating the creation of others, through the relationships, through doing good in the world, through our work, um, that's when we're, we're connected and we feel satisfied. So anything else, when we're not connected to that source, we're miserable, we're depressed, we feel forsaken, we feel we can't find our calling, everybody else found it, we haven't, our relationships might not work out. So it really is, the four keys are universal principles 
that I've broken down into, okay, this is step one, step two, step three, step four. This is how you can expand your consciousness while you're driving down the highway or while you're cooking a meal or while you're meditating in the morning or just contemplating. And so how would you do that by, let's say, you're, you're driving in the car and, like, give us an example of, of an exercise. Okay. okay. So the first key is expansive presence. It's noting that you have expanded your presence, your awareness, okay? You're kind of tapping in and connecting to a more enlightened, larger, exp- expansive version of yourself. And so it, really it's coming back to some profound simplicity. So let's give the example of gratitude because we talk a lot about it and there's research about how gratitude um, it can really help with uh, mental and physical well-being. Oh, it's and huge. So it is, isn't it? It's really mm-hmm. huge. And so the, the, the flavor that I give into it is that I want you, so, so pick a person in your life that you're grateful for having in your life, okay? And then just take a few moments and list five things. You can go up to ten things, but list five things that you're grateful about that you have this person in your life. And what I want you to note is at that moment, can you feel a shift in your body? Is something relaxing? Is something opening up in your heart? Something warming up in your belly? I'm, I'm just giving examples. There are many different sensations, right? Um, are there emotions like feelings of well-being, of love that are flooding you? That's an expansiveness. Any thoughts that are coming in, ooh, I'm so happy to have this person in my life. I should tell them that. Um, I should do this more often. I should be kinder to myself. I have so many wonderful people around me. I'm loved around the world, okay? Whatever it is, the shift in your sensations, in your bodily sensations, in your emotional state, and in your the thoughts that you have, that's the expansiveness. And if you It's so true. Yeah, you start to see more. the glasses half full instead of half empty, you know, and, and exactly. you start to feel feelings of joy when you look at the very smallest things. Some of the, the very, you know, simplest things have been the most joyful in my life, taking a walk on the beach with this friend of mine who can't do it anymore. We did it for 10 years, a 10-mile walk, yeah. and that walk, I looked so forward to that walk that, I, that that was very little, you know, in cost. You know, it didn't cost much money. Yeah. But our time together was so amazing. You know, we do other things together now, but you can't do the 10 miles anymore because of her back. Yeah. So I'm just giving yeah. it as an example. You know, that's just something that um, that was in my life regularly. And when you start to yeah. write those things down, you're so right. Your your gratitude list should be long every day. Right. And so it, so it's not just making the list. It's feeling the shift. Feeling the joy. Sensations. Yeah. Feeling the shift in your emotions, in your sensations in your body and in your thoughts, that's when you know you're shifting from a more constricted state of mind to a more expansive. You know, I, I had a woman who's been meditating for a while, and then, you know, we did a few ex- exercises of expanding your consciousness through breath, through gratitude, through the power of words and images. In the book, I give examples of that. And it's like suddenly she was like, okay, now, I'm do- now I can finally meditate and do what meditation is supposed to be. Because meditation is the map to a territory. It's not the territory. It's a map that promised you the territory of inner peace and of bliss. And really the key to all of these is an expansive state of mind. And we can do it through our breath, and we can do it through gratitude, and we can do it in so many simple ways. And so you could 
when I say you could do it when you're driving down the highway, you can make a list of who you're grateful for at, while you're driving. Another sure. one that's a big one that people might be kind of a bit embarrassed about is what you're grateful about in yourself. What's the gift that you've been given by the universe that you are really good at, that you love, that makes you come alive, that lights you up? What is a gift like that? You could do that while you're driving in traffic, and suddenly you're floating, you're high on life, there's traffic, but you are just feeling so good about yourself, you feel the universe has given you something that you're really good at, and when you do it in the world, you feel that you serve and that you have a purpose, right? So there's so many simple ways to expand what I call expand our consciousness and have this expansive presence. And the minute we do that, there's more joy there, there's more love, there's more self-acceptance, there's more contentment, there's more peace. Well, that's beautiful. And, you know, so many people have difficulty finding their purpose. And, you know, I found my greater purpose through adversity. You know, I had started on one path, and then because of the blindness, uh, I started in another direction, you know, with my speaking and and writing and um, hosting and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, as an example, I mean, you just went through this, this terrible time with anorexia and coming from a you know, alcoholic family, and then you reinvented yourself. You know, so, so often we find our second vision through adversity. Completely. Completely. And it's that constriction, right, that the mm-hmm. adversity is when we, we, we have low self-esteem. Right. Um, with lack of confidence, we feel we're forsaken, we're doomed, we're a victim. When we feel we're that. We're struggling. Then, mm-hmm. Exactly. But then if we continue, these prompts kind of enter our life. They come into our life, these opportunities, and if we take them, we, 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 we take a step into a larger version of ourselves. And yes. So, so, so specifically for calling, if I can say, you know, because all of my teachings are about integrating the spiritual and the material because we are each a point of consciousness on this planet, a potent one. And we are each, as a result, a portal to practice, to, to tap into spiritual wisdom and then express it in everything that we do. That mm-hmm. even our calling, while people are looking for their calling outside, really the gratifying, fulfilling aspect of your calling is the essence, it's the spiritual aspect of your calling. And that's many times just a word or phrase that you live by and that lifts you up. And so that becomes the seed for then living your the, from the essence of your calling, which is already inside you. Don't go looking for it outside. And then you take that seed and you need to practice. Okay, how can I bring this essence into my relationship with my spouse, with my children, with my parents? How can I bring it into the team meeting, to what I'm creating, my the book I'm writing, the gym class I'm teaching, whatever I'm doing. So it's a very different perspective on calling. It's not outside. It's within the essence. The spiritual aspect is within you already. And you need to find it. And I obviously have an exercise for that. But then that's the the seed that you need to integrate so you can actually feel I'm living my calling all the time, not just when I'm working or I'm volunteering. I'm doing it well, all the and time. It, and, and volunteering moment. is a great way to find your second purpose. I mean, I've, I've interviewed so many scores of people who have had similar experiences by their volunteer work. They find beauty in what they're doing and that they have a higher purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I really think that, what, that, that, that 
volunteering again is, is a map to take you there. It takes you into feeling the yes. purpose yes. that you're serving others. But I, I suggest that you find your calling first because it's not just the two hours volunteering that you do a week. That it, 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 that's not the only time that you're living your purpose. Your purpose is an essence inside you, and that you can live at every moment. And then volunteer is one beautiful way of doing it. Just one facet of it. So let's talk a little bit about the things you mentioned in your TED Talk. About um, I loved the example that you used about uh, how a cell phone, as an example of something material that you might right. have, can be something positive. Yes. So let's talk about your TEDx talk um, and how you mentioned about material things that you we can have these material things as long as we don't place <clears throat> excuse me a certain value on them, and how a cell phone can actually be something positive in your life. Yeah, I you know I'm trying to show people this perspective that that material world is not what they told you in spiritual teachings. Here today, gone tomorrow has no value. That's what leads to us just using things and discarding them and throwing them, they go into the landfill. Material things, just like we are, just like the oak tree outside, just like the cell phone, are all an expression, a material expression of some thought, some idea, some intention. I mean, just like this entire planet is, is, is an expression, right, of some idea of intention to evolution, a sacred, beautiful intention. And so, so are we. And so, so is everything that we create. And so, you can have this exercise of looking at different material things and trying to see what is the spiritual essence, what is the value that I give this thing. Is, is there any spiritual quality? Okay, well, let's see. Connection, community, family. I value those as spiritual qualities, as things that make me more whole. Well, I have two chats. In my iPhone, one is from my Swedish family, one is from my Israeli family, and we share special events and, and pictures of our dogs and meals and things like that. So here I am using something that's purely material. My iPhone is, is a material icon, but I am creating community and connection under the circumstances that I live in California and I have half my family in Israel and the other half is in Sweden. So... In, instead of discarding things as material while using them as if they have no value but we're so attached to them, instead, let's, if, you, if, you, if you're going to be on your phone for 10 hours, then experience joy and focus and appreciation and magic and awe through it. If you don't want to use the phone, then don't. But the practice is to experience joy and curiosity and understanding and peace. And if what you're holding in your hand most of your day is a phone, I'm telling you it exists in here as well. When you swish and open an app and close an app, don't take it for granted. Be in awe of the magic. We watch Lord of the Rings and we think that Gandalf can do amazing things. He just, you know, his hand goes up and something appears and disappears. We're doing that in our smartphone, and somebody created that. Somebody had the ingenuity to create that. This is magic. There is magic everywhere and miracles in our days. And if you're on your phone, find them there. If you're not on your phone, find them someplace else. Yeah, technology really is magical, especially, you know, we've watched the Internet launch and 
it really is magical. As long as that phone isn't deterring you from communicating with someone at dinner or, right. you know, being obsessive right. where it's, you know, blocking you from social um, activity. Right. Um, but um, and, and, but and, yeah, and you always have to be aware. I mean, you always have to be aware. Today, technology is what you need to be aware. But before, you needed to be aware in other ways. And even you and I talking here—that's technology. And even a fork is technology. Technology is not just like high tech. A fork or a match that creates fire—that's a tool. That's technology too. If we didn't have any technology, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be where we are. And the human right, of course. <clears throat> the human experience is about creating with our senses and, and and exploring with our senses and connecting, and then appreciating. Yes, and connecting. And we always need to be aware. And yeah, it's easier maybe to sit in a cave and just meditate. But when we have to pay bills and we have families and we have lives, then we need to practice all those spiritual teachings while we're doing that. While we're driving down the highway and when we're well, we're on our iPhone. But it is so powerful to use the iPhone and suddenly see it as awe, as an opportunity for joy, for magic. Suddenly it's like, wow. It can be a great then, gift, absolutely. Yeah. And then then when I see a piece of news or I see an ad and I go like, this doesn't have the same quality, I become much more discerning. Otherwise, I just consume it all. If mm-hmm. I'm looking for joy and peace, and, and excitement and enthusiasm from my iPhone, for example, then I become more discerning because then I only look for material that's going to give me that. And when I come across things that don't have that quality, I feel down, I feel awful, I feel empty. So then I go, okay, so then I'll just do the things that give me joy through my phone. So I'm just using it as, as an example of how you can become aware and conscious and practice spiritual practices even through an iPhone. That's great. And how about tapping into your uh, intuition? How does one do that? So the four keys are really, yeah. So, so the four keys are really a step to doing that, you know, and the first key is expanding your resonance. And in the book, I give more examples that we gave a detailed example with an exercise of how you can tap, expand your presence through gratitude and pay attention to the shift. Okay. Then, once you've done that, you just want to kind of go um, lean back and relax. You don't want to effort to get intuition. You want to relax into it, and that's the attentive listening key, okay? That's the phase when you just listen to information that comes into you intuitively, either through an inner knowing, a gut feeling, or through an external prompt, a book that just shows up, a person that says Something. So that's the second key. And then the third key is inspired action because once you've got the intuitive guidance, now you want to act upon it. The universe has spoken through you and you have received an intuitive guidance and you want to act with inspiration upon it. And when you do that, you will have the fourth key, which is you'll build your faith. And so it's faith still knowing. You'll build your faith that the universe is in communication with you and that you're part, really part of this web of life. It's not just an expression, it really is. You poke something, it affects something else. Somebody says something, the, the wave of what they said, good or bad, affects you. We are connected. And so you begin to see miracles throughout your day, and you begin to see synchronistic events. Um, Act and which react, are as they all say. The time. Yeah. And so the yeah. forces are really a great, very practical way, sorry, <clears throat> a practical way 
to um, tap into your intuition and then act upon it and be much more aligned with your calling and your interaction choices, the results, everything. Manifest your dreams. Well, we're winding down on time, even though it's so fascinating. We could go on and on. So I'd love you to tell our listeners, um, firstly, is your book on, is it an e-book too or an audible at all, or will it be? I began an audible version, and I got so busy that I didn't do it, but there's there's a Kindle version. So you can get it on Amazon. The book is on Amazon. The book is on at Barnes & Noble in the stores, but uh, online as well. And you can just order it from your local bookstore and support them. Great. And so the, for those who are vision impaired, they can get a Kindle so and get it as an e-book? There's a Kindle version, yeah. There's a Kindle That's version. That's wonderful. You can, yeah. You can also Great. go to so, my website, and, and, and there's a free download. You can join my expansive community. There are different ways that you can connect, but the website is going to take you there. Perfect. And can you give everyone the title of the book again and your website? Yes. It would be wonderful. Yes. So Living a Spiritual Life in a Material World, Four Keys to Fulfillment and Balance is the name of the book. My website is anagatman.com, which is A-N-A-G-A-T-M-O-N. And the membership community that I just opened up um, is called Expansive.Community, where we actually practice living our calling, finding the essence of it, integrating it, and, and together living a more expansive life. So that's interesting. You have that, you mean, on your website where you have a, a membership and you all no, get together No, so I on... actually have, so I have, a, so I have the website. You can sign up for a free download, but I have um, a, a membership community called Expansive.Community where we work on finding the essence of your calling, living from the essence of your calling, integrating it to your work and to your relationships, and really practicing the four keys and practicing this expansive state so that my, my highest purpose is that we create this energy field or a force field of expansiveness and that we can each alone and together create this impact of, you know, a higher vibration, a more expansive vibration that's, li- that's life-affirming for us, for the planet. That's wonderful. So I'm saying you do that by um, people getting on on Skype or you all, you know, once you're a member, how does it all work? So we have different things. We have like a weekly meeting or, or like a weekly Zoom call, which is a live call. Right. Um, we, we have demonstrations where I pick a member, um, and we do a demonstration where we kind of find their calling or help them integrate. And so I do like a one-on-one session that we record, and then the the, the entire community can see it. We have mastermind groups for empaths, so people who feel that they're highly sensitive and don't really know how to share their gifts with the world or kind of assaulted by the world. So I have a team member who runs this empath um roundtable group. So we have different activities, and it's a community kind of like Facebook, but it's not on Facebook. So it's a private, safe place where people can chat privately or within the community, and then we have different activities throughout the month where people can participate and share their wisdom. Because once we all tap into this expansive state, then we each tap into our wisdom and the wisdom of, of a member becomes equal to the wisdom that I share. It's like we all that's, have that's into wonderful. the same source. 
because so often you read a book and you think you're so high on it and you think I'm going to practice this and it's great and then you put the book down and there's no place to go afterwards because you're on to another book or, you know, uh, the philosophy right. is great, but you don't yeah. always practice it. So that's that's yeah. wonderful. Well, I so enjoyed um, our our time together today. And for those of you listening, yes, thank you so much, Dr. Gatman. Today, my guest has been Dr. Anna Gatman. And uh, please check out her website and remember that you can have your cake and eat it too, as Anna mm-hmm. says. Just remember not to place to place a certain value on those material goods. <laughs> I'm Kristen McDonald yeah. for Second Vision. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening.